Welcome to the C.S. Joseph podcast. I'm your host, C.S. Joseph. And also we have Chris Taylor, who is a guest uh, today, which is pretty awesome. He's joining me live uh, from uh, his dungeon. Awesome. And uh, we are going, today's episode is season 18, Cognitive Mechanics, the Cognitive Mechanics season, uh, which is what we've typically referred to as the live lecture. Uh, Live lectures went away, and the reason why they went away uh, from the members area is because we realized that in releasing the temple content, uh, which is episode 19 forward, we realized we kind of messed up. And it's more of like, okay, yeah, we're... We're at risk of people getting the wrong idea, so we actually spent some time and in the field, also doing additional research and thinking and brainstorming, and came up with a much more cohesive system with proper nomenclature, and uh, that way we could present it in a form that makes sense, uh, a format that makes sense, and uh, that's that's basically the reason why we're doing this. So this is technically uh, season 18, episode 19 reshoot. This is basically a reshoot. And uh, because we're commemorating live lectures returning uh, to the um, journeyman uh, membership, we decided to invite uh, the Discord community to join us this evening, maybe potentially ask questions. We may even be providing links uh, via the mods or the community leaders within Discord to actually invite people to join us uh, on the show. Uh, make sure that you guys have your microphones and your webcams ready if you want to be able to join Chris and I here on the show and ask questions related to the temples, which we may or may not do. It just depends on how the show goes, but I'm giving you folks in the Discord an opportunity uh, for that. Also, one other thing uh, relating to that is that starting with this episode, which is episode 19, Uh, since we have well over a year's worth of season 18 content and whenever we shoot one of these live lectures that we do we email people a copy of the lecture basically so that they can watch the lecture as well but a lot of times people lose those email links they may end up in the spam folder so it can be a problem so what we're going to do starting with this episode we're going to be releasing to the public on YouTube, one episode uh, of season 18 on YouTube every time we do a new episode of season 18, etc. It will take a year or two in order for it to catch up because this is like literally 19 episodes uh, ahead. So it'll be 19 months in order to get to right now, uh, you know, for the rest of the stuff that's on YouTube. And any episodes that we've released on YouTube, we will actually be removing from the journeyman uh, lecture area. But don't worry, we are not doing this with any of the other series or lecture series that we have in the membership area. It is just for these live lectures that we're doing that. Cutting Edge will still remain behind the paywall, as well as Season 14 Part 2, which Season 14 Part 3 is in the works. That's the uh, Relationships uh, lecture series where we talk about bronze pairs very soon, which is going to be interesting. Uh, and then also uh, like the hypocrisy episodes, the parenting episodes, those are all still staying behind uh, the paywall. And then also we are working on uh, season seven, part two, which is an update uh, from the virtue and vice season that we have on YouTube. And that will be for the deadly sins because we have to lay down that foundation first in order for us to release our version of the Enneagram, uh, which will be fantastic and accurate and not 
the bullshit that we have available now, which I'm pretty happy of. So yeah, um, that being said, I'm going to be introducing uh, Mr. Chris Taylor, uh, who is our special guest uh, this evening. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, you know, the temples in general, like why are they significant? Where do they come from? Where did it all start? And as the initial idea, I'm going to state that it all started with the idea of the quartets. So, Chris, let's kick it off right there. How did the quartets get to the temples as to where we're at right now? Right. So the quartets were, I mean, we already had the four sides of the mind, right, which were the quartets. But we didn't really have any, like, cohesive theme to bring each quartet together. We didn't really have a great understanding of what tied all four sides of the mind together um, for, for a long time. We just, you're, you know, if you're an ENFP, these are the other three sides of your mind. These other three sides, they're all shared. Um, and it was really just a lot of sitting there going, okay, well, what do they all have in common? And trying to observe people from these temples and what kind of behavioral patterns they kind of all exemplify and so over time through quite a bit of debate uh between you and i chase we ended up uh figuring out and ironing out you know what the core kind of aspects were for each of these you know with the soul temple embodying character the mind temple embodying you know learning and things like that uh the heart temple embodying passion and the body temple uh embodying legacy so once we kind of figured that out, we started delving even deeper. And now here we are going through season, uh, season 18. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was really interesting, but like what people need to understand is that the temples, like overall, while we started with quartets, like quartets were eventually going to be, uh, like the foundation with which we were going to be approaching the fabled God functions, uh, for example, which we're, we're well on our way in that direction. Uh, but uh, it's just when we actually started getting deeper and deeper into uh, temple theory uh, as like the actual foundation for four size dynamics, because as you pointed out, Chris, we never actually had, uh, you know, a, a unifying theory that actually was the foundation for the four sides of the mind themselves because we're all just going down to the base components looking at functions putting everything together from there we understood you know inversing theory which is anima animus between ego and subconscious and then like my mentor would teach me about the demonic inverse which is the inverse between unconscious and superego we knew that but in terms of actually having the overarching macro view of what uh four size dynamics should be about and how the four sides of the mind interact with each other in a more general thematic cohesive way in a way that makes sense we weren't really presenting that before and that's why we spent so much time delving into the temples as is so 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 based on that i i, I would like to actually like initially start with uh the definition of what a temple is you know and this is according to dictionary.com and that is quote an edifice or place dedicated to the service or worship of a deity or deities and that basically means you know each temple has a focus or worships some thing basically and a temple is also known as it's like a religious or it's sacred uh and then it like it, it primarily applies to spiritual uh 
a maturity. And you could probably argue that like this is, you know, the temples represent the structure of the human spirit, I guess. Uh, would you agree with that? Or how would you or would you frame that differently? No, I would agree completely. I mean, I, I say it's I, I would argue it's more than just the human spirit. It's I mean, all of these aspects with the with the temples are just aspects of humanity as a whole like our species um as a whole whether it comes to you know a soul a body a heart and a mind and you can see these concepts sprouting up time and time again throughout you know philosophy and literature and religions they all seem to talk about these four things as a whole regardless um and what I do like the temple analogy, you know, and the definition they're talking about being in service to. Um, and what they're kind of in service to here, what we're getting at is the each of these temples are in service to a perception function and a judgment function, um, which is their primary representation. Um, so, for example, you have the soul temple in service to NE. You have the heart temple in service to NI. You have the mind temple Woo, in service NI passion. to SE. And the body temple in service to SI. I am yep. happy to be a heart yep. temple member. And so heart temple, that, best temple. That's where... <laughs> I mean, it's my shadow temple, so I, I, I love it too, man. I'm just... Uh, hoping I can uh, get some legacy left, you know, behind at the end of the day. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, yeah, no, and I mean, it, it's kind of funny when you, when you put these temples, um, you really have to think of them as the four sides of the mind for humanity. Not just like, oh, you're, you're part of this one temple, you're, your four sides of the mind are part of this one temple. There's still the influence from the other temples coming in um, attached to the other sides of your mind. Um, so, the, and we're going to get way into that as the season goes on and uh, talk about that more. But essentially, you know, for the soul temple, for example, you know, heart temple is going to be its shadow, mind temple is going to be its subconscious, and body temple is going to be its super ego. And yeah. so, for whatever temple you are, you have just like with your four sides of the mind, you have that uh, same pattern. Fair enough. Um, so now in terms of like each of the, uh, what are the four aspects of human nature in terms of body, mind, heart, and soul, but like what do those actually represent? What is the outcome or the product uh, as a result of that, you know, worshiping at that particular temple, etc. As I worship at the heart temple, you know what I'm saying? And, and I love me some passion. You know, I'll, I'll try to stay away from the temple priestesses as much as I can, but I can't make any guarantees. That being said, you know, like, like what, what, what is it all about? Like, what, what is the point of the soul temple? What is the point of the heart temple? What is the point of the mind temple? What is the point of the body temple? What are they going for? So, with the mind temple, just because that's a super easy one to go with, or the heart temple, um, those are a lot more, a lot. Uh, what's the term I want to use here? a little more in your face a little more process oriented so to speak but with the heart and the mind temple you have the heart temple that helps fan the passion of humanity you know without the heart temple being incorporated into a human being we wouldn't have passion in what we do without the mind temple we wouldn't have curiosity we wouldn't have learning we wouldn't have the ability to impart that knowledge and to teach and continue to grow in this way 
um, without the body temple, we wouldn't have any real legacy to leave behind without that focus there. We'd probably have died out a long time ago. And the soul temple just gives us potential. It gives us the potential to be more. With that, with that focus on character, it allows us to figure out who we are as a species. Um, so again, they're all super, super vital to the human experience and they all have their core responsibilities. As far as, you know, what is, what is um, worship at each of the temples look like? Um, well, with the soul temple, again, you have that, um, you have that character there, that individuality and that focus on that. Um, and what really you end up getting, so if you think about it, if the temples are the four sides of the mind, right? There is going to be an ego for humanity. The ego for humanity as a whole is going to be that soul temple. We start off as pure potential before anything else. And then through our life, we go through following our passions, go through trying to learn. And then finally, at the end of it all, for good or bad, we end up leaving a legacy on those around us. Um, and each of these temples, the more you get into them, you end up with these living virtues and these deadly sins. I maintain that the deadly sins as Christianity kind of talks about are derived from these temples and from whether they realized it or not it's the identification of this pattern of these four temples in humanity and each one of the deadly sins all eight of them as you as you pointed out including vainglory two of them are going to be attached to each temple and if where there's bad there's good so there's also virtues that come from this too um but as we go through, we'll talk more about what that what that kind of looks like. And yeah, definitely. Are those virtues really, I, really what we should be. I I like to, you know, we will definitely discuss the virtues and then ultimately the deadly sins that are attached to them, which we are talking about in uh, season seven, part two, as part of the premium lectures. But I, I do want to ask you though a little bit more about. Uh, you know, e you know how each temple kind of views the world through their own bias, and uh, you know the world would be better if people, you know, would do the following. You know, like from a soul temple, it's like, hey, you know, it's all about if people actually knew who they were. It's like a, it's like they're seeking out identity. There's a bias towards identity and and trying to encourage other people to have that identity approach, and they have that preference when they're interacting with themselves and interacting with others. You know, soul temple can be super mega external in certain cases especially with um soul temple templars i would say but uh but you know from the heart temple it's like had something worth mm -hmm. dying for i mean holy crap that like you know uh, amazing I, I would say that, that is definitely definitely my bias uh for sure uh, in terms of heart temple approach the mind temple bias is like i wish people were more educated right and the body temple would be like i wish people would actually build things that were worth a shit or actually good this architecture is good and efficient no it's actually dog shit and we should not do that anymore or you know cutting down a lot of waste and those things so so what's your opinion about those various biases uh that each of the temples have in terms of what each temple is trying to get the rest of humanity to do Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with the Soul Temple. I mean, like, there is such a focus on, like, oh, you know, it, it's coupled, character coupled with potential. 
So you'll hear a lot of Soul Temple going around criticizing other people like, you know, just be who you are or be more than what you are. Like, you, you don't have to hold on to to these things just because, you know, you've reached this point until now. It's like that, um, that trope of, like, you can always change. Like, there's always more room to grow. At the same time, I, that's very idealistic, but at the same time, a lot of times, I mean, people nowadays, and this is me gonna go on kind of a rant as, a, as kind of a demonstration here, but from the Soul Temple perspective, so many people don't know themselves nowadays. It's like we we have so much focus on like, oh, gossip and passion. And we have a lot of focus on education and learning and like building a business and all that. But like nobody knows who they are nowadays. They're just right. following what they think they should be and not spending any time looking at themselves, like really looking at themselves. So. As demonstrated, that's a big criticism that Soul Temple tends to have of the world. And it doesn't matter. ENFP, ESTP, INFJ, ISTJs, they all do this to an extent. Um, and in that way, all of these temples have these criticisms. A heart temple, it's like, like you said, a life worth living. Like, if I'm not feeling something, what's the point? You know, if I'm like, if you're not truly living, what's the yep. point? What's the point? It's it's literally like, a, I mean, that's kind of how it was like with my first marriage initially because I ended up having like this uh, thing. It's like, okay, why bother being married? Because it's not like I'm even in the mood to like die for this person. I, there's no passion. I'm coming home. I'm fighting a war underneath my own roof, even though I'm fighting a war at my job at the same time. What's the, what's the actual point? And then it's like, okay there you just end up succumbing to this huge amount of despair and depression because there is an absolutely zero passion in your life and it's like, and it's funny because i can look at for example uh you know istps uh or even estps in certain cases you know when they have sexual relationships with other people and they could be they could completely pull all the passion and just become this mechanical animalistic approach instead of actually having any uh, passion whatsoever in their sexual activity. And I find that absolutely disgusting. It's like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, if I'm actually engaged in sexual activity, but I find it lacking passion entirely, I'm actually just going to stop and leave because it's just like, what's the point? There is no point. It's, it's disgusting to me as a heart temple purpose. Like why even bother? And I think this is also like one of the struggles that like, for example, INTJs have because they're all about passion, but they don't actually trust anyone to be willing to receive the passion that they actually have to give. And because because they're used to, their SI demon is used to people not being open or even interested in actually receiving that passion from them. And I think that's why they just throw their hands up and just give up. They give up on relationships entirely. They give up trying because it's like, why bother? why bother that ENTP shadow why bother syndrome there's no there's no actual passion here that person's not passionate about anything so why am I even going to bother but then again at the same time I kind of don't blame them because who out there is actually passionate about anything but then again this is my bias saying like you know I wish people had something worth dying for you know so it is what it is but then you know you got the mind yeah. temple out there who's all about wishing people yeah. were more educated what's your opinion about them Well, they're, 
I mean, depending on how you're looking at it, I don't think they're doing a really good job. I mean, at least in, in our culture out here in America, the education system is just absolutely dog shit. Like, garbage. There's Pure just, garbage. It's just rote memorization. There's no, it, there's no passion in it, right? And, like, this is kind of something that I was going to bring up, is that you can't live absent of any of these temples. And so you can end up with, you know, passion devolving beyond reason, where the heart is favoring itself so much over the mind temple that it's not even considering the mind temple at all. You can have a situation like the body temple and their legacies and their businesses, because how many of the body temple are out there making businesses? It's like mostly body temple or somebody either aspiring or going down into the body temple. But like how many of those businesses actually succeed because they don't have any character to them? They don't have any like individuality from amongst the rest. So they just end up falling out amongst the crowd and never taking off on the- Sounds like Simon Sinek all of a sudden. (laughs) You know, kind of put these together. Right, right. But then you end up with, you know, Elon Musk, INTP, Body Temple, right? He went out of his way to brand himself and like just kind of stand out from all these other businessmen. And Tesla is huge, not just because of his business sense, which was a big part of it, but because he got people's attention. He was different, right? So you need all of these things. They can be complementary, but they can also be taken to the extreme in, in, in either way. So like with, as with like even religions, you know, there. If you go to, if you become too extreme into it, you shut out new input, and you don't actually end up accomplishing what you're setting out to do. A lot of times. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And you know, to go to go even further, I, I'd imagine like you know when you're looking at all four temples, and if this really is the path to spiritual maturity for each individual person, I mean, each of the four sides of our mind still have like. While, while our four sides represent one of the four temples itself, and we'll, we'll touch a little bit more on this later, each of our four sides also has is somewhat, you know, subservient in like a secondary way uh, or a sub way, uh, subservient to an individual temple within ourselves. And they have these little individual temple slants within each of our four sides. And... Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say that the path to spiritual maturity is ultimately seen when we begin to utilize all four temples within ourselves instead of having to necessarily rely on external forces or the collective uh, to actually kind of drive that force? And it's like we actually see their importance, and then as a result of doing that, we actually go down that path of character. We go down that path of passion. We go down that path of learning. We go down that path of of, of legacy and creating legacy, etc. Would you say that that's that that yeah. is the approach? Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yes, I would say that is the approach. If if we're talking about maturity, it's also realizing that kind of what I was saying before that going too far into what your temple embodies will leave something lacking because you end up starting to shut out other things it's just like with if you delve too like at a four sides level if you delve too far into one side of your mind you're 
you get to a point where you start ignoring the other sides. Um, I do think there is, um, it is necessary to have a holistic, you know, mindset when it comes to these temples, um, while at the same time understanding that it, it takes a lot to get to the point with the temples of having them incorporated. I think that for a long time, um, even when you are developing another side of your mind, it's still going to almost be subservient to your ego's temple. Um, but that's that goes into the fact that it's when you're looking at the temples, it's a layer above the four sides of the mind because all humans have all four of these temples right? just as a human being it's just kind of like cognitive attitudes what's your attitude towards that temple where's your focus at yeah and then and then also like what the like what we were talking about earlier today you know their development path you know compared to focus also has a difference and then how that could produce human nurture as you're sending out nurture and that's impacting other people's natures or how they're sending out nurture from their natures and how it's impacting your nature there's there's a lot of different pathways to actually look at you know how your personality uh, not only expresses itself but then also actually impacts other people as a result of its expression. Um, but I, I would like to take this conversation in a, in a little bit of a different direction though. And what like in terms of like you know the CSJ sure. community, you know we have Ucha, we have like this this live type grid uh, out there. Uh, how can the temples be utilized uh, as a vector uh, for typing people? I know we've lightly touched on a deadly sins. We've talked about the concept of, like, for example, heart temple crusaders, which share the deadly sin of envy, or body temple wayfarers, which share the same, uh, you know, deadly sin as greed, etc. What are some of the the practical applications of the temples in our daily lives outside of, as we've outlined, you know, spiritual maturity? Yeah, I mean, it, it is another vector for typing, like you were saying. I mean, ultimately, the deadly sins and the living virtues are going to help immensely at kind of seeing some of the differences. If you're identifying somebody that has a strong propensity towards either a living virtue or a deadly sin, um, you're going to be able to eliminate it down to at least four types, but also you can eliminate it down to two. Um, and then you can further, you know, but, but why, from how there. are we but able to eliminate down to two very quickly? Just off of... like, what's the relationship between which sides of the mind that so, gets us to so be able to do the two? So there's the subconscious pairings. So sub pairs are going to share a, um, so if you look, each temple has a overall living virtue and a, um, a deadly sin there you can break it down between the subconscious pairing so basically like the enfp and the istj for example um looking at them with their issues with wrath right you encounter somebody that has a lot of problems with either you know wrath or absolution um absolving um you can get it down to those two essentially right off the bat um this still takes those time, two like types. Else. Um, like any other typing, you still want to make sure you're verified. Yeah, but you can get it down to two types pretty pretty quick, right off, right there. And then it's just identifying which is the ego. Yeah, um, I, 
I, I actually want to use a specific example um, directly from a conversation with Mr. Thomas Began yesterday. He came to me on Facebook Messenger and told me that my typings of certain famous people were wrong. And one of the people that he cited that I did incorrectly was Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, he claimed, was an ENTJ. And I'm like, excuse me? You're, you literally actually think Arnold Schwarzenegger is an ENTJ instead of an INTJ? So, so if he's really an ENTJ, that would mean that he's a body temple wayfarer. And body temple wayfarers are ENTJ and ISFP. So we have ENTJ and ISFP. What is their deadly sin? Oh, that's right. It's greed. Okay. So let's, what do we know about Arnold Schwarzenegger? We know that he is a bodybuilder. He is a fitness icon. He's won uh, so many uh, competitions throughout his entire life. And, you know, if an ENTJ is going to do the same career path as uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, do you really think that they're going to do what he ended up doing? No, I don't think so. Why is that? Because when an ENTJ has a fitness career and a bodybuilding career, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, what they're going to do is have their own fitness brand to make money. They're going to be selling people supplements, likely bullshit supplements, just saying, but they're going to be going out of the way to turn that and monetize that because monetization is everything to a body temple wayfarer. But then I asked Mr. Thomas Began on Facebook Messenger yesterday, I'm like, okay, so if Arnold Schwarzenegger really is an ENTJ, why then did he change his career from having the opportunity to have his own fitness brand and sell supplements and make a, a boatload of money and monetize his own fitness brand. But instead, he just wanted to be a movie star? Really? Really? So you're, oh, okay, so may, are you sure that he's not a heart temple wayfarer? Are you sure? And then Thomas Began's like, oh, yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah, he, he is actually a heart temple uh, wayfarer. Yeah, because he chose to be a movie star. He's not greedy. Arnold Schwarzenegger is not greedy at all. But, like, you know, you look at someone like Donald Trump, who is an ENTJ, he is greedy. And that's what, what a lot of people don't even realize about the temples, is that the temples provide a pathway of verification. I hear so many people talking about mistypings all day long, but they don't even bother to consider, like, oh, well, let's look at the deadly sin. Let's actually look at, uh, let's look at the living virtue. You know, all the time they're telling me, oh, Amber Heard, she's not, she's not, uh, She's not an INTJ. You know, there's no way she's not an INTJ. I've heard so many different types, like ESTJ, for example. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. A mind temple philosopher? You really think she's a mind temple philosopher? No, she's a heart temple wayfarer because she's got that vainglory. Her whole thing is drama. Her whole thing is drama. It's all drama because, you know, the only thing, and let me tell you something about heart temple wayfarers. The thing that they care about more than anything is saving face. And when they don't save face, they attack your face. They attack your reputation. That's what ESFPs and INTJs do consistently. That's why she's in this defamation lawsuit. And I'm just like, oh my God, idiots. No, that's not how it is. Like, and, I, and people are like, oh, you know, Mr. C.S. Joseph, you're really shit at typing. You mistype people all the time. And I'm like, okay, well then use the temples and the deadly sins analysis to actually come up 
with some comparisons and ask your ask some questions. Is this person actually greedy? Is this person envious? You know, look at Andrew Tate. That guy is the most envious mother effort out there. Like seriously, and he's an ENTP. He's a Heart Temple Crusader. Okay, that's just how they work. Okay, like that. That's who he is. You know, and and. and it's just, it's just, it's just absolutely ridiculous to me. I mean, you could tell, like Rollo Tomasi, the author of the Rational Well books, is a uh, is a hard temple wayfarer because he spends the first two chapters of every one of his books trying to save face and like bolster up his reputation. Uh, nice vainglory you got there, bro. Because that, like, it's just like, wow, you just wasted my time reading this book at least two chapters of my life that I'll never give back because you're just trying to bolster your reputation because deep down you really know that you don't actually have the credentials recognized by the psychological community out there so you have to be bolstering your reputation because you're you really really hurt when people call or you know like question your credentials you know whereas me i'm a hard temple crusader i don't care but he does and that's why he spends two chapters doing it the point is like this is the practical application of the temples using it as a vector to get around the type grid and as you stated, subconscious pairings, which means ISFJ is always attached to ENFP or ENTP. ENFP is always attached to ISTJ. Those are the subconscious pairings, the ego and the subconscious, and they all share the same living virtue and the same deadly sin. And if you can identify living virtue or deadly sin, you know, and sometimes, uh, like if you identify that, you've just eliminated 14 of the 16 types like that. And it's really easy to just compare them, the two to each other, as a result. Do you know why it's easy? Because guess what? The ISTJ and the ENFP couldn't be any different. One's an extrovert, one's an introvert. You know, one's direct, one's a, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it couldn't be, it, it makes it simpler to use that as a vector. You know, what's, what's your comment on that? Yeah, no, I mean, no, I was going to say what I find really, really interesting um, is her using her ESFP side and she's literally trying to destroy the legacy of Johnny Depp. She's literally attacking his legacy with her ESFP subconscious. And so this is where you get like the other temples is why I say they're all connected. You have all four of them and she's just as she is going through she's so honed in with her subconscious trying to destroy his legacy she's not even realizing she's destroying her own at the same time it's pretty entertaining to watch actually that that self-destructive si demon behavior so. man it just it just goes it just you know it just blows up right in their face and they don't even realize it it's just so it's just so ridiculous all right so let's let's go a little bit further and uh you know let's talk about input process output feedback and then and then we're also going to get to your favorite part access orbit and reflection within the temples uh, uh your, your absolute favorite uh piece my favorite piece yeah, is the input process output feedback and when you're looking at perception versus judgment like you got yep. everyone really has to realize that input process output feedback really is at the base level the system that is like 
It's just how the universe actually works. If the universe can be reduced in binary code, which it can, ones and zeros entirely, it still follows this input process output feedback system in absolutely every aspect of our daily lives. We can't escape it. And it's no different for the temples. And in the temples, we have perception versus judgment naturally because we have perception functions and we have judgment functions. So if we're gonna look at input process output feedback, you have the soul temple starting out with expert intuition as you already had stated. We have the heart temple as introvert intuition, which is great because like, you know, it's funny, like, you know, being married to like an NE demon, right? You know, like, and all of a sudden, like my heart temple is all about choice. It's all about introvert intuition. It's all about passion. And then I'm married to the passion destroyer of, of, of existence, you know, known as NE uh, demon, right? And it's, it's in that particular situation where it's like, wow, this really is wild. It actually is real. But like, the thing is, is that like, oftentimes, you know, she's going out of, uh, you know, her way. It's like, hey, you know, don't hurt my character. Don't, don't, don't make me look bad in this way. She cares very much about her character and, and, and looking good. And I'm like, well, don't take away my freedom of choice. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, all of a sudden you actually see these macro level things coming out with our cortex coming out with our temples basically on a daily basis even in the context of our relationship you know what i'm saying and i never actually realized just how important freedom of yep. choice actually was to me i never knew like it's like my anti nemesis is actually a lot more willing to go heroic mode when i do transition into my intj unconscious because my ni is so important to me because ni is attached to the heart temple and then, you know, naturally we have the, uh, you know, uh, the mind temple is extroverted sensing, which is, uh, you know, which is output. And the body temple is introverted sensing, which is feedback. And it follows that entire, you know, process all the way. And then for judgment functions, very simpler. Extroverted thinking starts, but this time it's the body temple that is representing uh, extroverted thinking because it's now the inverse, right? The mind temple uh, processes everything with introverted thinking or TI. The heart temple is the output, which is FE, which I completely agree with because I'm all about extroverted feeling, uh, you know, the social impact. And then the soul temple is actually what's providing the feedback of introverted feeling, you know. And this, this if you think about input process, output feedback, this carries a ton of implications. You know, some of the implications are... You know, this means the soul temple is the most abstract temple uh, with uh, NE plus FI, uh, you know, uh, and then the second most abstract would be NI uh, plus FE, uh, which is kind of like, you know, like an INFJ, uh, et cetera. And then you have, uh, you know, NEFI, you know, a soul temple that's an ENFP followed by an INFJ in that approach. Mind temple is SETI, that's very ESTP-ish. The mind temple together kind of just acts like an ESTP. And then the most concrete, which is the body temple, which is SITU, which kind of like acts like an ISTJ to a point. And you could see how the soul temple itself really just is primarily there as a foundation. The soul temple itself is the foundation of which the human soul or the or humanity's collective unconscious is actually built upon. And then all the other temples are able to sprout from the root of the soul temple itself. And all because we're able to identify that through input, process, output, yeah. feedback consistently, be it with perception functions or judgment functions. Like, uh, like what, what's it like to be in the most abstract 
temple. Like, 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 especially like with, you know, ESTPs or ISTJs. Tell me all about it, you know, because they're like, what? But I'm concrete, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, hold on. Are you? <laughs> yeah. So, so here's, here's, here's something I want to actually go back a second. And you're talking about, you know, your wife, um, you know, even though she's soul temple in servitude of any, her any is the demon function. And like, that's going to make ESTPs really fucking scratch their heads. So why is that? Well, because there is dangerous choices. There are bad choices. There are bad people out there. There are negative character traits. The ESTPs exist in the soul temple to call that out, to basically steer humanity away from choices that are depraved. It's problematic when they start projecting that, not onto an NFP, but onto people outside of their temple. But, I mean, you have to have that any demon there going, look, you know, not every choice is a good choice. And, you know, NFPs are obviously any here. It's like, ah, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll all work out. Like, everybody goes around making their choices, it'll all work out, just make a choice. And ESVPs exist to go, well, not all choices are good. And they tend to take that to an extreme because of their relationship to any. Yeah. It, and it, you can see similar things happening throughout the other temples, but... that That's true. I mean, like, I like to always use this example to actually, like, prove that, for example, while the ESTP is super concrete... But it's still a member of the soul temple and even estps can actually be insanely abstract and like for example like uh i was looking at like moving into an apartment or like buying a house at one point in time and my estp wife she's like oh i'm not moving in there that house is really old it has a lot of memories attached to it and who knows who did what in that house and blah 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 and then i don't want to be surrounded by all those memories memories that i didn't make or i didn't share with somebody else i don't want to i don't want to do that and I'm like, but those memories don't actually exist. My SE demon's like, that's that's a complete waste of time. Why are you making decisions based on that? That's not real. It's bullshit. <laughs> that's that's Come not on. real. You know, it's not real. And then she's like, well, it is real. It's real to me. You know, okay, okay, okay. You know, you soul temple templar. Okay. You know, you, 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 enjoy, you enjoy your expert intuition servitude there, even though you deny that you actually are. You know, so like <laughs> that's not actually that's not actually gonna work. You know, so it, yeah. it it's just it's just hilarious to me how people don't even realize like yeah, just because you're concrete doesn't mean that like you're not abstract because you're a concrete type doesn't mean you're not abstract because your temple may have uh, abstraction. You know, so different than uh, ESFPs or uh, ISFJs within the heart temple, they still serve introverted intuition overall from an abstraction standpoint you know like esfps want to provide this creative um abstract like performance you know and that's why that's like when, when you watch esfp dancers they're constantly doing they prefer to do modern you know modern dance this is a very abstract dance and it's like okay I, I see what you did there or isfjs who are trying to receive you know that abstract passion because isfjs when they're receiving someone's passion towards them especially from a sexual standpoint when that other person mixes in abstract concepts and spirituality to it 
they they just get super mega horny over that. Let, let's be honest, you know, and yep. that's kind of like an example as to how ISFJs are still in service to that abstract concept of introvert intuition as a result. And it creates this engine, you know, where you have ENTJs, yep. where it's like, oh yeah, I'm abstract, but I'm in the most concrete temple, the body temple. And I'm like, yeah, because you care so much about, you know, money. That's a very concrete thing, isn't it? You see what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, it's great. And it helps these little dichotomies really helps expose uh, the types from a macro level and oftentimes you know we find ourselves on personality database where it's like oh you know we're all just going to be like reddit and you know let everything chosen by popular vote because mob mentality rules and then we're going to make decisions on how we type people well they're completely ignoring all of this but you know hey you know Mr. Uh, Mr. Christ Taylor, um, you know, uh, B.S. Joseph over there, he, he's actually an ESTJ, you know. I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely a mind temple, LOL. And, uh, you know, um, definitely slothful. You know, that, that's, that, C.S. Joseph, he's very slothful, you know, over there. And I'm like, whatever, dude. Come on. Come on. I typically outwork ESTJs any day of the week. Come on. Like, uh, like, no. Let's not even go there. But anyway, um, we're about to wrap up the show here. We got one more section yeah. to cover. Uh, but like, from your standpoint, what? How does cognitive access? How does cognitive orbit? How does cognitive reflection? Like, how does that? How is it expressed in the temples, and why is it important? Let let, let us have it. So, with the soul temple, you have any. You have NI in the heart temple, you have SE in the mind temple, and SI in the body temple, right? You have soul temple and body temple superego position to each other. Now, as we know at the four sides of the mind, superego position is reflection. But you see a different pattern with the temples where the superego position is actually on an axis with, with each other. Whereas the subconscious with the temples is actually what's in reflection with each other. This is necessary. Now, it's kind of like these two different ways that they're linked is necessary for the four sides of the mind to have movement. It's like cogs. You have basically two systems of the way that the mind is trying to come together, moving um, opposite to each other. And those cogs grabbing the teeth is what allows for movement in the same way the different way that these temples are attached to each other being different than the four sides of the mind is what allows for movement within the four sides so for example um you if you are into your subconscious and trying to for me in the nfp for example right if i try to go and teach people Teaching is inherently an SE process. It's a shared experience by definition. So there, there is a necessary change from having to go from potential to having to go to the concrete SE to try to teach, while at the same time, I'm aspiring through an access with my subconscious. So the ISTJ side being kind of flavored by the mind temple, for example, um, in this way. And so, trying to remember because we were we were debating earlier and i had a really good analogy of how the actual flow worked between these um but 
I don't remember the analogy I had for it. I'll post it later, but yeah, essentially you have the two different ways that they're flowing together or flowing against each other that's creating the necessary movement. Um, does that answer the question, Chase, or do you want to... Oh, it, it, it definitely does. It's just like, my concern is just that, you know, typically, like, when we're talking about things being an axis of one another, remember how that we even ourselves had some confusion about it because it doesn't exactly follow what it is for the 16 types themselves internally. And one of the one of the things that we suggested as to why that is is because the temples themselves, you put the four temples together, the four temples overall is the blueprint for every possible human soul out there. It is the blueprint for everything. And while the human soul has two competing egos inside of it, the ego and the super ego, the, the four temples by itself, if you could say like, you know, for example, season 17, episode one, where I talk about the source of all cognition, and, uh, you know, I'm making the argument that basically God, the creator, is all of the functions and every possible combination in, in one cohesive unit, basically. And we're just a mere effect of that, but all fragmented like little puzzle pieces. You could actually argue that, you know, if all the four temples represents, you know, God, the creator's uh, cognition all at once, that really is basically the universal ego itself. There is technically no super ego there, which is why you can make the argument that like, hey, it's going to be, you know, um, they're on axis with each other instead of just following how we do it because the four temples themselves don't have a super ego. You could argue that if there is a super ego, that is chaos that exists outside of the order of the four temples themselves. To be able to draw that conclusion, you could make that argument. But Axis works slightly different inside of the temples themselves at a macro level versus the micro level within the four sides of the mind because we happen to have two competing egos inside of our heads. You know, so. So how, how would you explain that or at least help people reduce the confusion uh, relating to that piece? Because I think that's going to be one of the biggest obstacles that the community is going to have, you know, when considering these concepts. So what I would say is with axes, with axis, when, when you're still at the four sides of the mind level, I'll speak it, I'll say it that way where you aren't fully integrated yet, you're still subservient to an extent to your own temple first and foremost. With an axis, there is a pivot, a flip, right? With an actual axis, there is a flip where one basically takes over, just like with your inferior function taking the place of the hero function and the hero going into the inferior. The problem is when you get to a full temple level, you wouldn't be able, what that requires is your superego to be able to go into that axis with the superego position temple, you wouldn't be able to actually bring that over. For me, as an example, for soul temple, going and actually leaving a legacy that is actually productive in lieu of potential isn't something that would come about until end of life when the ESTP side is actually developing. And so while I, I think that the axis is still there to an extent in a similar way. 
it's just not going to behave that way while we're still in within the reference frame of the four sides of the mind as our cognition works. And it's not until you get a step up past where we are at as individual humans and you get up to the temple level where suddenly you're at the level of the temples are the four sides of the mind, not just your four sides of the mind. It wouldn't behave that way until you get to that level. But at that level, it's a lot of things are going to change, not just that. Yeah, I, I, that that's but fair. But from a more like I guess caricature standpoint. No good. I, I it wasn't until you asked me that 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 kind of solidified. Um, but I don't know if that's correct or not. I do know that there is a link between the soul and the body temple in the, in a similar similar way to what we have with axis but it doesn't behave the exact same way if you're thinking about it from four sides of the mind yeah so so if you're gonna look at the temples themselves like uh what what which are in reflection which are in orbit which are in axis right like you you'd stated like the soul and the mind are in reflection the heart and body are in reflection could you kind of like explain that a little bit more So, yeah, so when you're talking about like the soul and the mind being in reflection with each other, they are trying to accomplish, just like with regular reflection that we talk about with four sides of the mind, they're trying to accomplish a similar thing. They're basically trying to change how we are at our core, whether it's through education and learning and passing and like that shared experience or whether it's who we are as an individual through the soul and character, they're trying to fill a similar role. And so you can't, just like science that's, you know, leaning more towards education and mind, doesn't have a way to really explain the soul. Character isn't going to inherently by itself help you teach either. They, they walk similar paths. They help you um, grow in that way, but like, Passion isn't inherent. Passion and legacy aren't inherently about growth. They are like they are experiences that you are, you have gone through or that you are going to go through. They are desire and they are what you have done. Whereas right. with the soul and the mind, they are about growth in that regard. So they they all just like with reflection that we have four sides of the mind. They're fulfilling similar roles, but they go about it different walks. And, and you'd say the same thing for the heart and body as well, from their reflective standpoint. Yeah, I would I would say that you know, it's it's very it's very difficult to consider your own personal legacy if you're following passion because your eyes are forward; they're not looking at like what you're leaving behind it's more about what you are feeling what you're experiencing and what you want guilty as charged what you're leaving and so it's hard to like yeah and, and from the from the other way i mean like yes these things can work in tandem in the same way that you can have any and sd work in tandem but you can't really mix them they're just trying to fulfill a similar role yeah, definitely. Well, what about orbit uh, for soul and yeah, heart kind and of, orbit kind of like and body and mind in orbit? And then, and then also axis. So with those, they are still... Right. They, they are still complementary just by virtue of intuition. 
Mm. So they're like the heart, passion, and a and character aren't something that are tangible things, and they're still complementary to each other. You can't really have passion without developing character to a degree, and you can't have character without developing passion to a degree. Because if you truly know yourself, right, you're going to know what you are passionate about. So in the same way that you have,、um, like the shadow complementing the ego. You you see that with the soul and the heart temple as well, and the same can be said with the mind and the body temple, complementing each other to leave legacy and educate, and vice versa. All right, that's fair. And、uh, and then what would be you know your approach to soul and body being access and heart and mind being access? I'm particularly curious about heart and mind being an access to each other、uh, myself. Right. So, just like with, if you're preferring your ego, it's hard to get to your subconscious because you kind of have to let go of、right. your hero function in order to get that subconscious access.、Um, it's similar. Like we talk so much about mind and、um, education being dispassionate. Right. I don't、Very、think、much. that's for no reason. I think that's because when you like, yes, you can have it. Like it's it, you can have passion in education, but it's really rare. It's really rare to see that.、Um, it takes a lot of outside influence, and typically, it's somebody from the heart temple working with somebody from the mind temple. It's not usually from within. It's not usually from that own person. Yeah. And so, what you end up having is like, in order to have a system of teaching, you almost have to have. Something being dispassionate, and if you're focusing on passion, it's really hard to teach that. How do you teach somebody how to have passion? Right. So it's not they, they are necessarily linked because when you come when you have both able to move, you will find a lot of happiness there. But. It's you have to let go of your own ego biases to a large, large degree, and it's not just your. Now we're talking about not just your own ego bias, but your entire four sides of the mind's bias. Yeah, I, I, I would say that you know when it comes to access, for example, like another way that I like to describe access is um, like um, inhabiting, because you know. The heart has to inhabit the mind, and the mind has to inhabit the heart. Because how can you actually know what choices are available out there for you to actually be passionate about, unless you have been properly educated to actually execute those passions? Like for example, I'm just like, ooh, mountain biking could be a new passion of mine. Recently, a conclusion I came、uh, to this last Sunday, but then I'm like. I think I'd have to really get educated first because then my personal safety is at risk, and that could be a huge problem. And this is an example of heart、uh, passion versus mind and learning being absolutely necessary. I have a passion for martial arts. I do Krav Maga on a regular basis, but do you think I'm actually going to be able to seek that passion out without proper instruction and and learning? No, no, not at all. I'm just going to have my face kicked in consistently、right. to the point where I'm too injured to continue. Passion alone is not good enough. 
you have to have, you know, the mind's, you know, education and access. But the same thing, it's like, you know, the mind can be blindly being educated on things that don't actually matter. And if it, you know, and that's why, you know, the reverse is also true. Yeah. You know, soul and body, it's like, you know, nice character you have there. But what? Uh, but are you going to be remembered for that character? Are you going to leave a legacy behind where people can look to how you lived in your life so that they too can have an example of character? Like, what's the example? That's why soul and body are access because it's all about the example that's being left behind. Or there are other people who get so focused on their legacy that they sacrifice all of their character in the process. That's why the soul and body are ultimately an access. And I'm saying this because, you know, some people were asking you know questions here in the audience as to like okay what are some examples of that why is that necessary because you you provided examples for the others and i think i think like these are this is why these things are in access but this is why it's important because you can't really have one without the other and as much as we can't have one without the other one we're looking at our cognitive functions right so you know and it's just so interesting to see people especially when we start talking about transgressions they're, you know, and, and, and we're at the end of the show here. I mean, if you want to, like, make a statement a little bit about transgressions or, like, how too much of one temple can really impact everything else or too little of a temple can also impact everything else, I mean, have at it. Uh, I think that would probably be the what the audience is ask, would, would be potentially asking next as a result of, uh, you know, seeing this, you know. Right. So, I mean, we, we've touched on it a bit throughout, um, but any, any time, like, if you want to get into the living virtues and the deadly sins, they all have a place, whether it's a, a sin or a virtue. Like, the deadly sins are not only unable to be removed from humanity, they're just in like they are ingrained in us you can't take them out we wouldn't be who we are without them um like you, you it's good to follow the virtues of the temple but it's just like being too having too much ego bias um if you go too far with a living virtue you're basically going to alienate everyone around you just like you do with your own hero function if you dive too far into that and lean on it it's not going to solve all your problems and it, you're going to be left severely lacking in your life it's necessary to have the deadly sins just because they are part of who we are like there's an appropriate time and place like there is like for my temple for example for an enfp it's great and all to be charitable right as an enfp specifically and it's great to try to um you know, advocate for people being forgiven and for their mistakes and their, for, for the fault of their character. But if you take that too far, you're going to get taken advantage of. That wrath is necessary to protect the soul temple, essentially, especially the ENFP and the ISDJ from being taken advantage of and not being too merciful, too charitable, because there are people that aren't willing to learn or grow from their mistakes and, and people that violate the boundaries <laughs> which you know yep us as so like need all that. of these things it's just appropriate time and place yeah yeah 
and also I, w- I, w- I want to make a um, statement to the audience right now because they're they're like okay it's the normal seven deadly sins plus vainglory why is vainglory in there uh, actually Pope Gregory the Great actually removed vainglory from the original eight list uh, and you can actually look this up and I believe that he did it because the church was gaining in power and gaining in riches, and it was to prevent the church from being criticized uh, by people because people could see the church as a form of vainglory in of its own right. Uh, so reality of the situation, there was actually eight originally, uh, but, they, but they removed it, and we've just added it back in where it belongs, essentially. So that's where that is. But anyway, um, I think we're actually at the end of our show now. I think we've done pretty well here for Season 18, Episode 19, Introduction to the Four Temples. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us. I'm not entirely... We were hoping to maybe uh, bring some people into the show as to what the questions are. Um, But I'm not entirely sure we'd be able to pull that off right now. so we're probably going to have to save that for another time. Um, I have been going out of my way to answer uh, questions as much as I can in the chat throughout uh, the stream. So I'd like to thank uh, Krista or Jolly or, uh, or Dogspit if uh, you folks were on uh, standby uh, to help with getting people links to be able to get them in the show. I don't think we're, I think we've ran out of time. We've definitely gone over. I thought we were going to have this done a lot sooner, but apparently that was not the case. Uh, but next time, guys, uh, for sure, we could definitely consider that. Yeah, yeah. It's put two stars types, they tend to ramble. Yeah, especially when they have like any hero and it just becomes like a, a, a brainstorm F fest. So it's like, hmm, okay, that, 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 that's good times. Uh, we, we could definitely uh, keep going in that, uh, that direction. That being said, um, that being said, um, uh, oh, and, and Bobby, yeah, we will be discussing deadly sins in the members area. The uh, the next uh, episode that we're going to be discussing is wrath, and then followed by lust, and which types are attached to them, etc. And uh, let's see here: uh, is uh, Kyra actually correct with what she's saying? And it looks like uh, absolutely she is correct. So yeah, Kyra's post in the uh, chat is, or is it Kira? Can someone please like, I don't know, maybe she can like message me on Discord and be like, yes, you said it right, or no, you didn't. I'm just going along with what I've heard and you never challenged those people in voice chat. But like, I'd really like actually want to know your proper pronunciation because I care about that. Anyway, um, I think, I think that's it um, uh, for this episode. Thank you, Chris, for coming and uh, sharing your awesome, valuable opinion on uh, the temples. Uh, this has been sort of your brainchild uh, for the community and helping people uh, figure this out and understand just the awesome treasure trove of Jungian analytical psychology and depth psychology that we have here. Uh, so thank you for all of your hard work uh, for this. It's been it's been a great experience for me, and I'm I'm just like you know, oftentimes we just keep going and going and going, and we just continue to reveal the secrets of the universe and and life as we know it and of our mind, which is which is fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, that's it, folks. Uh, oh, it's uh, it's Kyra. Okay, cool. Thank you. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, so there's a lot of the nuance that we didn't really get into because this would end up being a six or eight hour lecture if we did. So if there's still stuff that's a little bit confusing, folks, we are getting to it as we delve further into the actual like episodes that are more specific to the content it'll make a lot more sense it's just right now trying to give an introductory standpoint without like having an eight-hour stream yeah yeah it, we could go on and on and on and on and that's why we have to like shorten these into like smaller episodes i mean it's already difficult enough for people to get through a one hour episode let's be honest so anyway folks uh that's uh that's it for yeah. this episode uh definitely uh thanks for watching it's been great uh we'll see you guys next month we're discussing the soul temple uh at length and in detail so um but yeah uh thanks for watching i'll probably see you guys tonight on discord later You stole my heart of God.